0: I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to Nationals this year! Sorry, is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily
1: Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. I'm so high right now. Anything's possible. I'm mama. i my mama, oh, my mama it yeah. Rainy Jays. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast
0: day to day. Especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in-depth you might even hear a
1: story on Gigi. So in-depth they might do an hour about the D-League. So in-depth you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah. John Corralis and Jay King. Locked on. Time time
0: we watching
1: Jay do the zaza. Mellies. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast with the Rain and Jays. Today it's me, your boy Jay King from mathlive.com, here with Sam Jam Packard to recap the Celtics draft and the Celtics decision not to chase Jimmy Butler as hard as they could have the Celtics you know some of the backup plans that they might have or obviously doesn't really seem like the backup plan. seems like they're seems like they might have another plan up their sleeves rather than Jimmy Butler because obviously that was weird to let him go without without really trying to get in, into the conversations with Chicago so first first let's talk about Jason Tatum the newest Celtics player, number three pick. And I, I will I will say this, my first impression of Jason Tatum seeing him in person was he's going to need to get stronger. And he's got like a nice frame, big shoulders, but he's not like Jalen Brown in the sense that he's going to come in and be have the level of physicality that a lot of these guys in the NBA do the thing about him that sets him apart is his skill level. And I I think that's what I'm sure sold the Celtics on him as as in addition to the work ethic, the character, all that, but it's the skill level that you look at and makes you kind of say, Whoa, like this
0: this kid's got a chance to be really damn good. Yeah, no, I went, I went back and watched all the kind of scouting videos and focusing on Tatum and First, as an aside, like the strengths and weaknesses videos that draft express put out is like they cannot be the same player I just it feels like they <laughs> like the weakness videos are so bad, and the strength videos make these guys look like all stars It's like they just took the very good plays of the year and the very worst plays of the years and only played them and it's it's really hard to get a sense of who the player actually is, but uh, as a Celtics fan, i let me tell you the strength video was a lot more fun to watch. he definitely <laughs> has a lot of. Um, scoring ability and uh, just shot making, uh, creating his own shot in the post. I think you're you're right. He's kind of a, a smaller guy, uh, but his kind of his length and his athleticism and his skill level will be. Um, it's kind of exactly what the Celtics needed, especially on the second unit, is someone who can kind of create offense on their own. I don't know how much the the game is going to his game of kind of creating from the high post is going to translate into the NBA. Um, and I really think it, so. how he's uh, able to shoot from three is going to be a, a huge kind of um, marker of where he is and how productive he is. But I think his, his shots there, it looks like he has, uh, I'm not like a shot doctor, but it looks like his me- mechanics are all right. And um, so I think there's a, a high potential for him in, in the NBA. So I, I like the pick. I don't buy it that Danny Ames said they would have taken him at number one. Um, that's classic Danny Ames talk. I still am more sold on Martel Fultz as a, a better prospect, but I still – it's it feels like Tatum's going to be a nice fit, and there's not a lot of pressure for him to come in and right away and immediately perform because I don't think the minutes are going to be there for him because if the Celtics do end up signing someone at small forward, they already have Jay Cratter on the roster, they already have um, Jalen Brown. Uh, it's unclear of where exactly um, – He's going to get those minutes, but maybe he ends up playing a lot of small ball four. But uh, who knows?
1: Now, now seeing him in person for the first time, I, I, I'm a big Duke fan, so I watched a ton of Jason Tatum uh, even before I started my my draft prep. So, so I, I was kind of familiar with this game. Seeing him in person, though, I wonder if he'll have the physicality to play a small ball four right away. I, I think I think he might be more of a three uh, during his rookie season. And then kind of develop into that as he puts on weight and 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 add, adds more muscle uh, because really like he he's not a super strong guy he's not a thickly muscled guy um, so so seeing him a person I, I do wonder uh, about his ability to play four right away what what what's really interesting about this pick to me is number one I think he was the most skilled wing in this draft and this is a good draft it was a loaded draft he's he's the guy with the best footwork the best array of, of of moves he was one of the best post scorers in all of college basketball last season which without being a super you know super strong guy so that that goes to show you what types of of, of moves he has the arsenal of things that he can do second part of this pick which is interesting to me is that he has some, like, like basketball mindset issues, I think. And, and like, he took too many mid-range jumpers. There, there are things about his game that he's going to have to need to change to kind of fit into the modern game. And, and I, I think the Celtics, by taking him, were saying, okay, here's a guy with, with all the skills we want, and, and Brad Stevens can, can mold this guy into the right habits so that more of those twos become threes, and you know he'll have better shot selection and all those things because especially during the first half of the season at Duke, those were things he he kind of he he, he kind of struggled with a little bit. So I I think this was of a, a, a sign that they believe Brad can can mold Tatum. I also think like he's an impressive impressive young kid from from everybody you talk to. Um, he. He really is like like fully impressive. Like character is a plus. Like you talk to people about him, and he's going to work. He's going to be a really good kid, and and that matters to the Celtics. They they've made it very clear, you know that 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 is one of the things that that they look for and pay close attention to. What, what's crazy is he's been working with a professional trainer, professional skills trainer, since since he was fourteen years old. And he's been working with Drew Hanlon, who was Bradley Beal's trainer. And he actually went to the same high school, I believe, as Bradley Beal. And his mother and Bradley Beal's mother were were friendly, I believe. Um, so he's he's been working with a professional skills trainer, and you can see it in his game. So he, he's an in- interesting pick, and I think he and Jalen, you know, over time. And I, I think even Shimmy Oyaleje, <laughs> I just definitely spots <laughs> that name.
0: I was definitely waiting for you to have my, to
1: say that name. <laughs> yeah, I was. I definitely botched that name. But I, I think you know they're putting together a lot of three fours. Even guys that I think in in some cases, especially with Jalen, can play the two and just have tons of versatility. So they're getting long, athletic, young guys who can do a lot of things, and and it's exciting that that they're they're putting that kind of stable of of players like that together where just guys who can do a lot of different things and help a team in a lot of different ways on both ends. And I do think, you know, T- Tatum isn't a, a great defender yet, but he, he's got a lot of length. He's, I think he has a lot of potential on that end. You know, so, some of the time I was watching Duke and his switchability, like, he, he didn't always stay in front of guards, but he had moments where it was like, wow, this this, this guy can can really, really impact point guards when, when he switches onto them. So there's a lot to like, I think, on both ends of the court, but it, it's his skill set and the polish offensively that, that really makes you think, you know, that, that was, that was, that that's what set him apart as, as a prospect.
0: Yeah, no, I think the the defense and the being able to perform or have potential on both ends is a key point because in this draft, it was really, there's not, it, it feels like wing has become the kind of um, position of greatest need in the NBA in the place where you it's hardest to find a player who can really, contribute on on both ends of the court and it felt like um, Josh Jackson and Tatum were really the two guys who could really become in and be wings who can be on both end and watching Tatum the highlights in college again this is only from the the strength video but he had some impressive uh, closeouts and blocks uh, sometimes in the weakest videos he got a kind of beat on the by the points guard but he does have quicker feet in the the footwork you mentioned since he's been working with this guy since he's fourteen he better have some good footwork. Um but uh, it's it's his ability, his potential on defense, I think is um another reason why the Celtics draft him. He's not just this kind of offensive chucker. He's a he's a guy who does everything pretty well and has potential to uh, get better. Um so I can see him and Jalen kind of playing that kind of positionless forward wing spot from years to come and that's good to say. They're both named Jason and Jalen, the reigning Jays. I think there's things to be we can work with here, so I'm all in on the, all in on the pick. <laughs>
1: yeah, it, it, it's interesting because you know as they got the number three pick, they, they've got this. I, I do think he and Jalen Brown will will work really well together, and I, I think you know th- both those guys are going to be inside outside threats. I, I think Jalen Brown's developing three point shot was was really promising last year. I think Jason Tatum, you know, he shot eighty-five percent from the line. I don't think he's going to be a guy who's going to struggle with NBA three-point shooting. He's got a smooth stroke. He, the free throw shooting is really promising. So, and and then they're both really good in the post. So they're going to be, you know, maybe one day when when Jalen Brown kind of has more develops more ball skills. They're going to be guys who who can hurt you in the post, who can hit three pointers, who can just kind of do a little bit of everything and hurt mismatches and hurt hurt, hurt switches. So, what what they're what they're building is is really cool. And it's they have that underneath like the, the the already established core of guys, which is 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 really exciting. And you know, Jason Tatum, the concerns about him, I think, are. He's I, I, he's going to score like he's going to be a a good scorer in the league. The concerns I think about him are are whether he'll be anything more than a volume scorer, and can he develop a three point shot? I, I do think there's a lot of promise there and potential. Can he become a better finisher? I I think when he gets more strength, you know that'll help him. I think he has the length and the the skill set to to become you know a complete scorer, and and that's what's exciting about him. So. Good pick. It, it was still, still a weird draft because, you know, it was, it might be, it might be known more in the future for what the Celtics didn't do, and obviously they had a chance to to be number one and take the number one overall pick, and I, I think the the trade to move back to three and pick up another piece, I think if Tatum and Fultz end up becoming comparable players that trade is going to be a big win because the Celtics are going to get probably a lottery pick either next year or the year after. Now, where you'd get in trouble from the Celtics' perspective is if Markel Fultz is a monster or Lonzo Ball is a monster and they passed on the chance to draft either of those guys to take Tatum. And let's say he becomes like a, a solid pro and and there's a, a huge gap there. That That's how the Celtics will get in trouble with that trade. I, I still don't know what to think about the trade. Obviously, we haven't seen these guys play a second yet. Celtics, I'm not sure I buy either that, that they would have drafted Tatum at number one, but I think it's obvious from the trade that they didn't think there was a huge gap and that they think Tatum and Fultz were very comparable prospects and that they were okay with getting a guy who maybe they didn't have number one on their board, but they had two or three. And they were okay with that because they don't think there's a, a huge gap there. And I guess I guess we'll see, but still, still a weird draft. And then then you go to the Jimmy Butler thing, where Minnesota like they stole him for pretty pretty cheap. I don't want to say it's almost nothing because you know the seventh seven pick this year and then two lottery picks from the last two drafts or two of the last three drafts. So they gave up a lot of like talented young guys. Minnesota did but you have to think the Celtics could have come in with a a much better offer if they really wanted Jimmy Butler
0: yeah no it sounds like the Celtics just really didn't want Jimmy Butler Ainge I believe said that they hadn't really been engaged on those um talks on those front for a while um and it's it's difficult having to see like so much interest in him previously it kind of doesn't exactly make sense there maybe there's a concern that uh if they're bringing in Gordon Hayward, him and Jimmy Butler would be completely redundant. It's difficult to see what the Celtics are thinking at this point because uh, it feels like all of their offseason is predicated on what they do in free agency and, and that's kind of um, informing their decisions now. We heard the rumors about Paul George as well, and it feels like everything's kind of predicated upon whether or not they sign um, Gordon Hayward or someone like Blake Griffin. Uh the Celtics could have definitely beat that offer. Um maybe the Bulls were asking for too much because it was the Celtics or maybe the Bulls were just really obsessed with Chris Dunn because they wanted him for 2 years or maybe the Bulls are just one of the most incompetent front offices in all of sports. It could be a a mixture of all of those things. Um but you're right, they I don't it's it, it feels weird that the Celtics weren't at all kind of engaged in kind of trade talks or that the Bulls wouldn't go to them, but it just that just points to me that Danny Ainge wanted no part of Jimmy Butler, um, which doesn't exactly make a lot of sense to me, since I think Jimmy Butler is a very solid player who can help this team. But maybe if the move was uh, just wait to see what can happen at, at free agency, and maybe you could give up less for a player like Paul George, who I think is better than Jimmy Butler, or you can just sign someone like Gordon Hayward and not give up anything. It's just – it could have just been a timing thing where at this point they weren't going to do that cuz they have better options where they could give up less later yeah and I, so, so i've i've heard the Celtics didn't put the number
1: 3 pick or next year's nets pick on the table for Jimmy Butler in this this round of negotiations where in the past it has been reported that that they did and so it's interesting to me that they backed off and i do think like they're acting like a team that believes it can do something else because, you know, this is really – they have this window right now where they have cap space, and it's not going to be there in the future. Like, this is the last year that they can go out and go after a max free agent and that they'll have the flexibility to do do that before everybody on their roster becomes more expensive. And so there's, like, pressure on them to come up with a big deal, like adding Jimmy Butler or adding – Somebody else. So, so the fact that they didn't go after him hard, especially after they've done that in the past, is it it makes you think that that maybe they're very confident about going after somebody else and landing somebody else, and that they could do it for without losing as many assets. Because you know Jimmy Butler, even though Minnesota's offer wasn't great, that's that's probably more than what Paul George would go for because Paul George has put the Indiana Pacers in an awful situation where everybody knows he wants out. Everybody knows in one year the Los Angeles Lakers loom as this huge threat. So they they don't really have any negotiating leverage, the Indiana. So it's possible that the Celtics, you know, have talked to Indiana and believe that they, that they can go get Paul George for, you know, two future picks, let's say like the Memphis and the Clippers pick. And, like Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley, and or some something like that, you know, and that it would be less than they would have had to give up for Jimmy Butler, and and maybe that's the case, maybe it's not, and then there's all obviously also Gordon Hayward, Blake Griffin as free agents, and if you get one of those guys, you don't have to give up, I mean, you you still have to give up some things toward the end of the the roster because Celtics don't have outright max cap space right now, but. It's it's a lot easier to stomach getting a guy like that without losing any of your future draft picks if if you can go out and, and get somebody like that and then keep all these you know lottery picks then it, it would be just a really impressive summer. So I think right now my my grade on the draft is like incomplete because we don't know what's
0: coming next.
1: And that's what like, it
0: should be for every grade of the draft because there's no way to know what these players are going to turn into. But that's an entirely separate rant. So,
1: so true. So true. And what, what bothers me about the draft too is how much groupthink there is. Like like everyone believes the same thing about these prospects because everyone just reads Draft Express or like watches the Draft Express strengths videos and weaknesses videos and nobody really formulates their own opinions there are like three different people who formulate their own opinions in the entire internet and then everyone else is just kind of copying off them so we'll see I'm incomplete for me and and I say that while thinking that Tatum's going to be at least a good player and I I say that while thinking like there's just got to be something else and if there's not then losing Jimmy Butler and doing nothing to get Jimmy Butler just feels really weird to me. If there is something else, and you get Hayward or George or both Hayward and George, although that would be like an astronomical price to keep the roster together, if you can get at least one of those guys, then it looks a lot better that you didn't go after Jimmy Butler. If if the Celtics whiff on those guys, and I mean they'll still have a really good team next year, they'll still be one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference, but it just feels like a really a missed opportunity if they didn't go after Butler when he was there to be had. Like, I think if they put the number three pick on the table, he's theirs. Like right now, Jimmy Butler is playing for the Boston Celtics, but they decided against it. And so now we'll see what Danny
0: Ainge has up, has next. Yeah. The, 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 the latest rumor of trying to get Paul George and Gordon Hayward. I know that it's uh, people have worked it out and that it's, possible for the Celtics to kind of trade for George uh, right after signing Hayward. I just don't think it's something that the Celtics are going to do because then you're committing so much money to only three players and then you'd have to either in this world you'd re-sign and, or renegotiate and extend Paul George. Oh, then there's this whole Isaiah Thomas person who's going to be coming up a free agency and he'd basically have $100 million in um, four contracts and you have a bunch of guys on the rookie scale and may be able to work, but it just doesn't seem like something that's feasible. I feel like it's an either-or option, and I'm heavily influenced by uh, the article by Danger Cart where it feels like there's they have a max cap space where they can either realistically spend that on uh, Gordon Hayward and not really give up that much, or they could try and trade a few pieces and trade Paul George into that cap space without really having to give up as much um, in terms of salary. But it feels like those are the two uh, options that make more sense. You don't really want to have to give up picks or rotation players. So I think that it's it's an either-or um, scenario. And for me, I think Paul George would be a better player. Um, I think he is a better player than Gordon Hayward, but the whole question of whether or not you can get him to re- renegotiate makes things kind of more problematic because you – I think it would be a a hell of a fun season if you bring in Paul George for one year. Uh, His ability to do everything that Paul George does, but including just like defend LeBron James would make things in the East a lot more interesting. Um, So I guess in order of preference, I would say trade for George and uh, renegotiate and extend, then sign Hayward, and then it would be just trade for George for a rental. But giving all those options, it feels like things are going to get very interesting right around July 1 with seeing in which direction the um, the Celtics go. Because it, it sounds like, and if we trust the reporting of a friend of the program, Adam Kaufman, um, it sounds like they already have a, kind of the structure of a deal in place um, for George if, and it's all these contingencies based on what happens in free agency. And even though the Celtics are operating as if a team that's very confident they're going to sign Gordon Hayward, you never know with these type of things, and I still think there's a pretty good chance that he goes back to Utah. So it's good that they have this contingency plan in place, but um, you're right, they're operating like a team that's very confident they can add a star uh, on July 1.
1: Yeah, and without giving up as much as they would have for Butler, is I, I think the, the key part of that, because you know Jimmy Butler's a really good player. Jimmy Butler was probably top 10 or top 12 player in the league this year. He had a better year than Paul George, I think he had a better year than Gordon Hayward. Like he had a really great year. He plays two ways. He's tough. He works hard. It it's it's tough to pass on a guy like that unless you think you have another alternative that won't cost you as much as it would have to, to take in Jimmy Butler. One thing about the renegotiate and extend possibility that people have floated on Twitter with Paul George Celtics have to be really careful with that I think. Because if you do that and you use that cap space to renegotiate Paul George instead of Isaiah Thomas, who's already on the roster and who is also up for renegotiation and extension, he could be pissed off. And he's also a free agent in one year, like Paul George is. So like, that's a careful situation you have to navigate. And I know he's gone on the record and said he wants the Celtics to bring in a star, but it's, it's one thing to like go out and, get a free agent who's not on contract, it's another to offer somebody else who's under the same contract situation as Isaiah Thomas, the renegotiation that could have been his. So, that that's a that's a tricky situation I think for the Celtics to navigate. I I don't know what Isaiah Thomas would think about that. I have no idea what his personal mentality is. Uh the other thing is the Isaiah Thomas injury news, it's kind of getting weird. It's dragged on a lot longer than I, I think anyone anticipated. Uh, Danny Ainge said the, the Celtics fully expect that he'll be ready for training camp, but at this point, it's like it's been how long since the season? Like, almost a month and a half, and he was supposed to figure out in two weeks whether he'd need surgery, and now it's a
0: month and a half later. He still doesn't know. So I thought the report was that he does. If he's going to be back by training camp, wouldn't that signal that he's probably not getting surgery yeah but
1: both danny age and brad stevens have said that that isaiah doesn't know yet whether he's getting surgery and they're, they're gonna reevaluate him in in a couple of weeks uh to, to see what the deal is there so I, I i would imagine that he's leaning against surgery and that you know it's it's pretty likely that he won't have surgery but it's just when you're talking about a hip injury and when you're talking about somebody who's five foot nine and it's dragging on this long. Like, hopefully, hopefully he's okay, and it won't hinder him, and it won't impact him into next season.
0: I mean, Isaiah himself doesn't seem too concerned because he still um, had enough confidence to get uh, butt-ass naked and posed for the ESPN The Body issue.
1: He he um, did get
0: butt-ass naked. I I I didn't expect to wake up and see a butt crack.
1: Isaiah Thomas's butt crack in the morning, but sometimes. Sometimes you just see a butt crack.
0: Sometimes you just you see a butt crack, and it's just uh, <laughs> the way you live life. There's a there's a new gift today of him doing a behind the back pass um, jump, where he strategically um, blocks his bits with his uh, thigh. I thought that was some impressive stuff too. And then he's out, and he has this whole like um, weekend. This weekend, a bunch of stars going out. You see everyone on Celtic social media, Kelly Olenek, Terry Rozier's out there. I didn't see any images of Isaiah actually uh playing in any of the games um and you know if he'd probably like to like throw up sixty in his own kind of weekend, so that seems like he's still recovering from something but um I would agree with it's weird that he doesn't have we don't know about the surgery thing, but it seems like if they expect him in training camp, I don't think surgery would necessarily happen and but you're right, it's something to keep an eye on definitely as the as the off season progresses.
1: Yeah, just just another variable, and I mean, no matter what happens the rest of the summer, Celtics are still in a really good place. But I don't know. It, it's the more times Danny Ainge passes on a deal, it, it's kind of you. You kind of start to wonder like, when is he going to make the move? And and maybe it's coming very soon. And I I, I suspect that that they do have confidence that they they'll make a move for a star. Um, but, you know, it it would be nice to capitalize this summer, really nice to capitalize this summer when they do have the cap space and, you know, those assets are still all really good. So it, it would be nice and it would be crazy. It would be totally insane to be able to add Gordon Hayward to this core and not have to lose much to the core, or it'd be totally insane to be able to trade for Paul George without losing like any of your lottery picks and having that extra star aboard and still having all the the future lottery picks, whether it's Brooklyn or from LA, Sacramento, Philly, that one that will either come next year or the year after. So they're in a position right now where it's possible they could pick up another star player and still have all of these draft picks and, and, you know, take take another step forward without touching all of their assets. So they're they're still in a great position, and especially if they can get, like you said, Hayward or George, or or Griffin. Griff, Griffin's another guy that that they could potentially go after. So we'll see. Again, incomplete, incomplete, man, incomplete. We got Jay Crowder pissed off on Twitter. People are brutal to Jay Crowder on Twitter,
0: man. It directly to him, like. I've seen a like, in the Celtics' Twitter just talking about, like, potential trades and stuff like that. But then there's just other people who are, like, adding him. who's like, get the fuck out of town, Jay. Pack your bags. It's very aggressive. Uh, and it's like they – it's almost like people on the Internet are just kind of operating and don't understand that their words have some sort of consequence, and they're, like, much more free to say things they wouldn't say in public. It's yeah, like so- a weird world. <laughs> Yeah, so he he was liking a lot of tweets saying he should get traded,
1: or that the Celtics should do something with him, or that he was just not good at basketball. And it's crazy because he is a valuable player. He's a two way player, plays defense, shoots, hits threes. Like he's a tough player who emerged for the Celtics. The type of guy like Celtics fans should really appreciate because of how hard he works and how how, how much he's done to. To emerge as a starting caliber player but people people are brutal to him saying that sh- sh- shimmy's the obvious jay crowder replacement
0: shimmy oh <laughs> oh whatever his name is man that's, oh no we're, we're gonna have to have, have you say Shimmy's name for every single podcast
1: it's actually shimmy
0: i know it is shimmy
1: it's shimmy shimmy yeah he, he was named after antoine walker <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a joke for you people out there. a Very bad joke. um But yeah, Shimmy Shimmy's another guy to be excited about. I think Shimmy Shimmy for a second round pick really I believe adds value to the Celtics. He, he's an intriguing second rounder because I I think he can play small ball four. He can play the three. He's got a 42 inch vertical. He's six six with a six nine wingspan. And he's 240-something pounds. Like, just a huge, enormous guy who can move. So, I'm on the shimmy
0: train. Any trying that can draft a guy who's built, like, a defensive end in football who can jump 42 inches in the air, I think you got to do it. To get in the second round, I'm excited. The Suffolk Summer League roster is um, panning out. It should look uh, – should be a lot of fun. That's the big if here is if Ante Zizic can get his visa issues worked out because so, uh, so that could be no very disappointing. Issue.
1: There is no visa issue. So that was funny because Danny Ainge said there was a visa issue. And then two seconds later, Mike Zarin was like, there is no visa issue. I don't know what Danny was thinking about, <laughs> but there is no visa issue. And so Danny was just mistaken or, or whatever he, he Zarand said that um, Austin Ainge even texted him to see if there was a visa issue, and there just isn't. So that that's funny. It, it sounds like Vizic will likely play for the Celtics, although he he is under contract overseas, so they have to they have to work some things out with that. Uh, but it does sound like like he will likely play for the Celtics summer league roster. Um, and then the, I feel a little bad though for Abdul Nader because Abdul Nader played great in the the D League. He was the D League rookie of the year. He waited his time like he could have could have made more money, could have gone somewhere else, played for the main Red Claws, had a great season, and now he's gonna go into summer league with, you know, Jason Tatum and Shimmy Oya whatever. And and Jalen Brown, Brown too. and like just all types of wings, who the Celtics are going to want to play a, a lot of minutes. And then poor Nader, like it it might be uh, t- tougher for him to get minutes than he probably anticipated with with all the
0: wings that the Celtics have amassed. You know, he's just going to have to come back and prove it in summer league. That's why that's what you want in your summer league roster: some healthy competition on that at the wing position. And I'm just saying that as uh, someone who's already bought my tickets to Vegas and plan on watching a lot of uh, of this, you know, 15th player on the roster competition, I think it's going to be exciting stuff.
1: Shimmy and Jalen could be like the Bash brothers of Summer League. Like, those are two big, strong wings and athletic wings. Uh, They could have a fun
0: Summer League team, man. I mean, with Zizic in there, Demetrius Jackson's a fun little guard. The only thing is they're not going to get uh, Terry Rozier to play. He's out in Summer League. Terry Rozier, we know, is fantastic. Uh, but he feels like he's graduated uh, to be on yeah. Summer League.
1: RIP Summer League Terry Rozier. It was
0: it was a good run. It was a great run. run. Well, he, he basically evolved into playoff Terry Rozier. Um, and I, I'll take that trade any day of the week. Yeah, it's too
1: bad – Garshon Yabu yeah, will not be healthy too. He uh although apparently he is ahead of schedule slightly ahead of schedule in his recovery from uh surgery to remove bone spurs from his feet or ankles, one of the one of the other. So g- good news on Yabu. He's he, he'll be back strong and yeah, so, summer league should be fun. I, I'm I'm really excited. I I get way too excited for summer league because Like, this this time of year is the worst time of year where there's no basketball to watch anywhere. And I know the Big 3 is going to be on TV tomorrow on tape delay, but I don't want to watch totally washed up guys. I want to watch young guys with a little bit of potential and all types of question marks. That's what I want to see. I want to see Summer League. I'm, I'm ready to watch real basketball again, even if it's not even real basketball, even if it's Summer League basketball. I'm in. I need it. I needed it in my life,
0: so I don't want to watch um, White Chocolate like hurt himself. I don't want to watch stars of yesteryear. So not even stars, average players from yesteryear, hurt their hip and just get injury after injury in the big three. I'm I'm out on the big three already. It just uh, I I was never that sold on the idea. I mean, maybe if it was uh, White Chocolate in his prime, but I just don't want to see old guys get hurt. That's no fun.
1: I kind of like seeing old guys get hurt, man
0: because <laughs> then it
1: makes me feel okay because every time i play these days i hurt my knee and I can, I can barely walk for like two days afterwards i just have to limp everywhere so so when when jason williams goes out and he, it's the same thing for him or when Corey mcgetty goes out there and it's the same thing for him i, I can talk myself into feeling like a professional
0: athlete so Hey man, whatever gets you uh, gets you to sleep at night and gets you through the day, it, we all you you all, you got to make excuses. You got to tell yourself something. So I'll, if it's good for you, Jay King, I support you watching the big three.
1: I, I am fully washed, man. So washed up, it's it's horrendous. I played in a tournament today, three on three tournament with with my brothers. We had won it the past two years. I, I let us down this year. I I let us down. We didn't end up winning. It was the first. First loss the King family has ever taken as as a, a full brother group, which is tough. You know, we we had our reputation to uphold. We had our perfect record to uphold. And really, it was my fault. I'm just so washed. I used to be a difference maker in the right way, and now I'm a difference maker in all the wrong ways. So, sorry, sorry, sorry to my brothers. <laughs> if They listen to this. I just want them to know I, I'm deeply Sorry from my
0: performance today, it, it was it was embarrassing. That's tough. That's tough to hear. But uh, hopefully you can you can rebound. I don't know. You are pretty washed, so I don't know how it improves from this point.
1: I would still get buckets on you, though. I would still <laughs> get buckets on you. <laughs> we got we got to do a two on two tournament, or we we got to do some some sort of game with the the Rain and Jays podcast
0: host, and and bring on bring on some challengers. See, see if that will be Manning fun wants because to mount a, mount a Bobby Manny's not even in the conversation. You you got he never played basketball in his life.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, we we should we should figure that out. But that that's it. That's a good place to end.
0: We're we're starting to ramble about our washed upness.
1: Oh, there's one we, more thing I wanted
0: to talk about. Was oh, the, we got one uh, more. Was,
1: we got one more.
0: Was Josh Jackson making the Celtics brass fly all the way to Sacramento? And canceling the workout mid flight. Some rumblings out there that was basically like the Suns asked him to do it or made him do it. Maybe a little salty over the Isaiah Thomas trade, but just uh, not a not like a real professional move there from Josh Jackson. But then I thought it was funny that I think Danny Ainge was talking about it and he's saying, I was in town with uh, Brad Stevens and Mike Zarin and in Sacramento. There was no way we were going to have an exciting evening. Uh, so I. <laughs> I couldn't agree yeah. more. As someone who's been to Sacramento, let me tell you, not much going on downtown. I know they just opened up a new arena. I was I was there before the new arena opened up. But Sacramento, kind of a ghost town. Uh, I went to a bar there, and they had a, a a mermaid swimming above the bar in a pool. That was pretty much uh, the highlight of the trip.
1: Hold on. You you saw a mermaid swimming above a bar, and you're disappointed? I'm going to t- It wasn't Merman, like cool man, of Pop. Merman.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would have been more excited for a Merman, I guess, so I could have yelled that. But uh let me tell you, weird move by Josh Jackson. But uh let me ask you this: If you could go to any uh NBA city with Brad Stevens and Mike zarin, where would you go? Uh
1: I'm a, I'm a big, so give me warm weather most of the time. But I, I like like laid back cities. Like I'm a big Indianapolis guy. Um, I'm oh, big, if you go to
0: Indianapolis with Brad Stevens, you'll be you'll dine like a king. Yeah, that that is true. That would be another park. I didn't even think about that. Uh, Chicago is a nice
1: nice place to go. Miami, just because it's warm. Although Miami is too much for me, man. I,
0: I can't deal with that lifestyle. I don't think you, Brad Stevens, and uh, Mike Steering are getting into the clubs uh, if you're going to Miami. I don't know, Brad might be a wild man.
1: But that might be a wild man. But yeah, that that, that Josh Jackson thing was—it was weird, man. Like, apparently that was the first time the Celtics guys had ever flown cross-country for a workout just to have it canceled. And yeah, maybe the Suns like promised him that they'd take him at four, and it was a better situation than Boston because Boston doesn't have a lot of opportunity for him minutes-wise. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what the driver was behind that? Normally, that's that's all due to the agent, so it's tough to blame a kid for that, but Ainge Ainge was definitely pissed about that. Ainge Ainge was very irritated that he flew to Sacramento and didn't even get to meet Josh Jackson. Like They weren't even allowed to talk to him. They tried to get breakfast with him the next morning and and were declined. So, he wouldn't work out. He wouldn't see them. Nothing. So, maybe it was the Suns. Maybe Ryan McDonough pulling a fast one on his old boss. But, yeah, I feel like Josh
0: Jackson's on the enemies list, like uh, Steve Buscemi in um, Billy Madison. Like he's on the uh, guys to kill later list. Man, I'm Andy glad Ainge. I called that guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he uh,
1: he will be certainly someone that Ainge probably wants to defeat. Although Ainge Ainge said he likes Josh Jackson as, as a person, or from everything he's heard, he, he thinks Josh Jackson's a really good kid, and a lot, of, a lot of it is just agent-driven and the, the, the players don't really have too much say in it. So, definitely a poorly handled situation, but it, it's tough to blame Josh Jackson. Anyway, that's it for this episode. If you want to listen to us, search for Locked On Celtics wherever you get podcasts, iTunes, Audio, Boom, Stitcher, wherever else you get podcasts. Subscribe to us. Give us a five-star rating. We, we can use those. We'd like those. We'd love those. So please, please do that. Anyway, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. That's it for this episode of Locked On Celtics Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast episode. Yeah, J. King and John Corrales locked on Celtics.